0: what's up my brothers welcome back to another episode of porn and the gospel i am your host spencer sutton man it is good to be here with you great to be here like this is do you know why it's good to be here i was thinking about this like why don't i always say i'm excited to be here it's good to be here <laughs> i just started thinking the reason is is because whatever i'm telling you whatever i'm like talking to you on this podcast about, these are the very things that I need. Like that is the great thing about being in relationship with brothers and co-laboring together. I've got several guys that I'm like, that we are in almost daily communication with as we encourage one another, exhort one another. And the beautiful thing is, is I'm, encouraging and exhorting through the word i'm also being encouraged and exhorted by the word so a discipling relationship a relationship where one is discipling the other you're both co-learners this is the way the body of christ is meant to be and to ever think that i won't need a brother another brother to encourage me and to point me to christ is ridiculous because i will 100 percent so that's why I'm glad to be here because, man, I'm just being reminded over and over and over and over again about the goodness and the greatness of God. And especially in this, these verses that we're going to look at, because I'm going to give you some very, very um, like practical takeaways here. And the incredible thing is, as I was looking at these and reading about these and thinking about them in my own life, and I've said it before in a different episode, like common, common sense is not always common practice. And the truth is, freedom from pornography is a process. Like it is a process. The, this thing does not go away by itself. You know this. If you're listening, you absolutely 100% know this. You have tried and you have failed over and over and over again. Which is why we look for all the man-made ways to do it as possible. Well, I'm gonna throw away all of I'm gonna get rid of all the the porn videos or whatever I have that I've stored on my computer or whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna unfollow every, you know, person on Instagram that makes me that triggers me and, and sends me down in that direction. I'm going to put porn blockers on my computers, on my phones and all this. And I'm not saying those things are bad, but this is a hard issue. It goes deep. Raise your hands out there. If you've put a porn blocker on your phone and only to find a way around it and disable it, raise your hand. Yep. Same. So it's a hard issue and we've got to attack it. We need to attack again. Again, It's not complicated. The process is not complicated. So what we're even going to talk about today as we look at Hebrews 11, the first few verses, not complicated, but easier not to do than to do. Easier to stay in your life of pornography, stuck in your life of pornography, easier to do that while it destroys your marriage and your faith and your body and your relationships and keeps you from doing your best work. I mean, all of these things we I mean, we've talked about all of the consequences that porn brings with it. It's not just our relationship with God. It doesn't just mess that up. Every, every guy will admit that, that I've ever talked to admits that they're distant from God because they're struggling with porn because it, it throws them into this pit of shame. And so we, end up after a little bit, we start feeling better about ourselves. And so we get to a point where we're like, well, this isn't so bad. You know, I've gone a couple of days without it. And then we fool ourselves into thinking that we can do better next time without addressing the issues. Because addressing the issues can be painful and it takes a lot of courage, which is why God says in his word over and over and over and over again, My pastor, I just heard this just the other day, a few weeks ago, he was preaching and we were there on Sunday and he said that this was the most repeated command in the Bible was do not fear. I didn't know that. Why do you think God had to say that over and over and over? Because he knew that fear would keep us from true faith. Fear would keep us from living a life of faith. We get so concerned with what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is thinking, what other people think of me. That's why we have to come back to God's word over and over and over and look at the beauty of the cross. This is why they, I mean, think about this writer, this, whoever it was who wrote Hebrews. He just spent 10 chapters talking about the supremacy of Christ, how glorious Christ is, like convincing them. He is the better Moses. He is the better Joshua. He is the better Aaron. He is the better priesthood. He is the best sacrifice, the only sacrifice needed, the once and for all sacrifice. So if we can't trust him, then we can't trust anybody. And so if we raise our hands and say, I trust this Christ who you've described in this book in Hebrews, what does that life look like? So he's going to show us right here in, these, in chapter 11, he's going to say, this is what that life looks like. And then you and I, what we get to do by God's grace is we get to look at the word of God and we get to hold our life up to it and say, God, is this, is, is this my life a life of faith? And the fact that we struggle with pornography over and over and over again, I would say it's not a life of faith. It's a life of fear. I'm afraid, so I do what? I hide. I hide in like I'm in the garden, like I'm Adam and Eve after they just sin, realizing I'm naked, and I go and hide myself from God. I don't want the light of His countenance, the light of His purity, like His pure. I don't want His pure gaze on me because I'm sinful, which is proof we're, we're not trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ. So I hide and I'm scared to bring my sins out into the light like First John 1, 5 through 10 talks about. I'm scared to do that because, man, what if somebody thinks something about me that I don't want them to think? I mean, come on, guys. This is what we're worried about. We're worried about pleasing men rather than pleasing God. That's not a life of faith. And this is what I want to wake us up from. Like I want to like, I believe like God, what I'm passionate about is what I feel like God has called me to do is to help wake men up and help them fall out of love with pornography and in love with Christ. That's it. That's it. So to that end, I'm excited to be here because I get to be reminded of these truths that I need to be confronted with on a daily basis. Cause I have a tendency to shrink back into fear and to not trust. And when I lie, that is proof that I'm fearing. I have a fear of something. So I'm going to tell a lie, a lie of commission, which is one that I blatantly tell. Like I remember doing this if an accountability partner of mine back in the day would say have you been pure did you look at pornography I had a split second decision to make yes or no if I told him no I lied but at least he wouldn't think worse of me and so I'd say and when he said have you looked at porn no 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 what about you no I hadn't either We're both lying to each other. So lies of commission, then lies of omission. Do you think my wife would have liked to have known if I were looking at porn? Yeah, but I didn't tell her. That's a lie of omission. I know the truth, but I'm not going to tell it. So let's dive in we're going to look at the first few verses of hebrews and that's it and then maybe we'll come back and we'll start looking at some of these other um, examples of faith but right now let's look at this hebrews 11 1 and 2 now faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen for by it the people of old received their commendation so faith is not a flippant thing or something of small importance. We can't just take faith for granted as if it's always going to be there and available at any moment, right? That's why God has been saying over and over and over in the word, do not fear, do not fear. He has to repeat that command so that we can see it and hear it and read about it in all kinds of different situations. So faith steps in where faith threatens our assurance, our hope, and our obedience. John Owen said this, he said, the spiritual life is by faith, and so is victory and perseverance and salvation. So they were from the beginning. Watchmanee says this, faith is always meeting a mountain, a mountain of evidence that seems to contradict God's word, a mountain of apparent contradiction in the realm of tangible fact, and either faith or the mountain has to go. They cannot both stand. So when I say that I have faith in God, what does it mean and what are the implications for my daily life? A lot of us like to think, well, faith is a one-time thing. I had faith in Christ to save me from my sins, and so therefore I'm going to live the way I want to live. That's not true faith. That's not even saving faith. And then there's others of you who are listening who have said, I put my faith in Christ alone and his blood, and that's true saving faith. But then what we need to do is look at the rest of our life and say, well, how does that inform how I should live day to day? When I say I have faith in God, I'm saying that I I don't trust and hope and live for what I can see and touch and experience here on earth. Instead, I trust and hope and live for what God has promised beyond this life. Like his realm is spiritual and his promises have their true fulfillment there. Going back to Hebrews, earlier in Hebrews, we are in the wilderness. We are sojourners. We are not home. This isn't our home. We're wandering like the promised land is coming for us. So this is an easier concept, obviously, to talk about than it is to live day to day. And so I had to ask myself, I wrote this down in my journal, am I looking and hoping in things that are seen or unseen? Does my, does my faith hold bedrock conviction in all of God's promises? How can I tell? Well, I believe, I believe that my life will be characterized by taking great risks for the glory of God. Maybe things that seem foolish and dumb to the rest of the world, those are the things that should characterize my life. And, you know, we're not going to get too far ahead in Hebrews 11, but definitely we can think about some incredible examples. Noah, right? Noah believed there would be a flood with no other evidence than the word of God, or Abraham grew up in a household of idol worshipers and the word of God came to him and said, pick up and move. And what did he do? He took this incredible risk and did what God said he should. Or what about Moses? After 40 years of tending a flock, God comes to him in the bush and says, Hey, I want you to go to the most powerful man in the world. And I want you to confront him with my commands I mean, here was Moses in all his weakness and could barely even talk. So he had to have Aaron go with him. He took a huge risk, but not to his credit. He was just believing the word of God. Like these people, just those three show us what an authentic life of faith looks like. Like in through their faith, they received God's approval, His commendation. And God does not give His commendation lightly, and He definitely doesn't give it to the pursuits and accomplishments of the world, right? This is what everybody else, like we want to, like we look at success from the world's standpoint, and, and we think, well, this is what we should go after. This is the world's influence on us. To be successful, I should have X, Y, Z. To be successful, I need to have this much money in the bank. To be successful, I should have done this with my life. Well, everybody else is going here and doing this, and their life looks incredible on Facebook, so my life should look like this. So whose approval and whose praise do we really desire? What does our life point to as the answer to that question? Because in the realm of faith, talk is cheap. James 2 14 says, what good is it? My brothers, if someone says he has faith, but doesn't have works, can that faith save him? So when we're talking about faith, we don't typically talk about facts, but what we need to do, what I'm going to ask you to do right now is to take an inventory of your life, be very, very realistic and tell the truth to yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Tell the truth to yourself. And this is the question you should ask. What do the facts of my life, what do the the facts of my life say about my claim that I live by faith or that I have faith in God? It's a big question. I mean, you could even take a piece of paper, a journal, whatever, and just start writing down, what are the facts of my life in regards to my spiritual life? How does How is my faith playing out? And is that evidence? Again, what the world admires is power and wealth and worldly glory and fame. But that's not what God admires or what he commends. What we're looking for is that like and what we'll we'll see in the whole chapter eleven of Hebrews is like this faith hall of fame, and this is what we want. we we want God's favor. He we want his approval, we want his commendation. Like guys, we only have a short time here on life in in life, like a short time here on earth, very, very, very short. These things, God's approval, his commendation. His favor, they don't come by pursuing the world. They come through faith. And so verse 3 of Hebrews 11, well, I'll just read the first two verses again just to refresh this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. So faith, I'm telling you, faith is our most valuable weapon in this world when it is linked up with the word of God. It's a weapon. It's a weapon, and it's meant to destroy the lies of our enemy. Think about it. Right here in verse 3, it was the word of God that created the universe and everything in it. It's the word of God that tells me of his love for me and the mission that his son accomplished on the cross so that he could bring many sons to glory. His word, like, do I believe it or not? Do I have faith in it or not? And without faith, we'll read later, it's impossible to please God. And so when the apostles were confronted with this, their own lack of faith, they called out to Jesus and they said to the Lord, Luke 17, Increase our faith. So JC Ryle says this In walking with God, a man will go just as far as he believes and no further. His life will always be proportioned to his faith. His peace, his patience, his courage, his zeal, his works, all will be according to his faith. And I will insert there your purity your purity, your life of purity apart from porn will be in direct proportion to your faith. So now, practically, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, there's I'm going to give you three, three what I think, like three steps to faith that will absolutely destroy porn in your life. Three steps to faith that that will give you freedom from porn. Number 1, here's the first step. Ask for it. If you look at the facts of your life and the facts of your life are saying you don't trust God because you're just stuck in the circle of insanity, this the cycle of pornography of trigger and stories and, uh, what's after stories, we go to actions, right? So once we tell our stories, we go into a ritual that we usually have from that ritual comes action that leads us into the pit of shame and of guilt. And then we start to feel better and we come back up to the status quo and nothing ever is fixed. This is proof that we don't have faith. Faith. So ask. This is what Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be open. So if you won't stop here, then your faith will go nowhere. And honestly we'll never accomplish great things for the glory of God. Like Abraham left everything by faith. And God used that faith to bless billions of people. So number one, step number one is ask for it. That's it. Ask for it. Like every single day, ask God to increase your faith, increase your faith. God, when you tell me, do not fear, Lord, would you give me the courage not to fear? Will you give me the courage to trust in Christ and everything that he says is true? So step one is to ask for it. Step two is to study it. So our faith is not based on some abstract or obscure feeling, or we're not waiting for some tingly thing to happen on our neck where our hair stands up. Like, no, like faith is based on nothing else than the word of God. So to grow my faith, I have to grow in my knowledge of what God's word says. Like, he has given it to us to grow our faith and growing our faith we become more like his son which his son trusted perfectly in him so what does your current life say about your faith do you do you need to know more do you need more knowledge of god do you need to grow in your relationship with the lord I know that mine does. I mean, one thing that, that I've been sh- you know, struggling with and wrestling with here recently is just my leisure time. Like I've got friends who are covered up. Like I'm covered up at work. I've got tons of work to do things going on all the time. However, like my kids are at a stage where we're not, they don't need me all that much. <laughs> right. I got a son who's at college. He's growing in his independence which is incredible which is awesome and then i have a daughter who's in high school right so she definitely is is still needs me but she's driving so i'm not i'm not like some of my friends that have kids of all ages and they're taking they're going to games all the time they're going to practice all the time they're going to recitals and this and that they're like completely busy so this is the thing that i've been struggling with is like okay with my leisure time in the evenings, mostly, what am I doing with that? How am I using it? What is faith? What, is, what, is, what do my actions say about my faith in God and my declaration that He is the Lord of my life? Now, I'm not saying like rest and watching TV is wrong or even Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case is. I mean, you know, we all need some downtime because truthfully, when we're going hard all day, we wear out our willpower and, and it's, you know, it's definitely going to be easier to relax in the evening, in the morning. Like I have a routine and I, it will never vary. I'll never give it up. I don't care if I'm on vacation. Don't care if I'm, uh, if it's on the weekend, doesn't matter. It never changes. So this is good. But I have to ask myself, Spencer in the evenings, would you benefit, Spencer, would you benefit from spending more time in the Word, maybe from meditating on some passages, maybe from memorizing some passages, possibly from spending some time in prayer asking God, like growing in my closeness with Him? Yeah, I have to say yes. I have to say yes. So, when I say study it, so the first step is to ask for it. the second step is to study it. What I'm really saying is we've got to open, we got to, we got to dust off, like get the dust off our Bibles, open them up, and we have to study what we're having faith in, which is namely the gospel and what all that means. This is what Paul was praying for the church at Ephesus. <clears throat> when he said, verse, chapter one, he said, I'm praying, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So this is growing in our knowing of God. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. This is, this is faith. The eyes of my heart are enlightened. That's faith that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. So this is, these are promises from God. He's called me to hope. He's given me riches in an inheritance. That I will experience one day. Like, he raised Christ from the dead. I read that this says he raised Christ from the dead and that Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So, no matter what struggles I have in my life, no matter what hardships I have in my life, I can trust that my Savior reigns. Like, victory is his. I don't have to think and worry and wonder about that. But I will, I will if I'm not constantly reminded of it. So something else I see in the Bible all the time from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament is to a couple of phrases. Do not forget and remember. (laughs) Like, do not forget and remember over and over and over and over again because that's what we do. Faith is not a one-time thing, it is something we need to be like, we need to be built up in our faith all of the time, which is why we need each other, which is why we need brothers in Christ exhorting one another daily right? So that our hearts don't get hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So in this passage in Ephesians 1, 16 through 22, you can go read it. What is Paul praying for if he's not praying for increased faith and all that God says is true of us? He uses the phrase that you may know. Like it's not that God would make some cosmic display so that their eyeballs, right, could behold it Even though we can, we can look up at the sky and see, and our eyeballs do behold what God has done. But he's talking about like the heart, enlightenment of their heart. What he's really talking about is that the eyes of faith would believe and trust and then be able to live according to that. So ask for it, study it, and then the last thing right here is just obey it. And this is what I meant when I started this whole thing is like, there's a process for being done with porn. It takes obedience a hundred percent. It does. It takes faith plus obedience. So claiming to have faith in God's word and then not obeying it is what is what a fool does. This is what I did. <laughs> and there's no profit for this person. You all know, like, you know how frustrating it is. You feel like a fool, which is part of the shame that comes in when we're in the pit. We're like, "Well, I just promised myself. I just promised God." Raise your time. Raise your hand if you praise. If you promised God a thousand times that you would be done with this, as that was the last time. I had a conversation with a guy on the phone this past week, and he hopped on the phone, and we were chatting real quick, and. I said, "This is how I help guys," and he's like, "Well, you know, Spencer, I I think I don't, I don't think I need that. I'm doing better. I'm doing better. I'm doing better." But do you know what he had told me? Is that he had struggled with porn for fifty years. Fifty. So I'm assuming this gentleman—I don't know, but I'm assuming this gentleman was in his sixties. I'm doing better. What do you think? It's not easy, is it? What's the phrase? Easier said than done? Step one is faith, though. Ask for it. Study it. Obey it. I mean, James, this is what the book of James chapter 2 is about. What good is it, brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? That's not faith. So faith cares for the poor. Then he goes on. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Like, was Abraham's path a beautiful picture, a beautiful path without hardships, without difficulty, without lying and deceit? No, it wasn't. He failed all along the way, but he never gave up. He was making progress. Yes, he lied and deceived Pharaoh and said, hey, Sarah is my uh, sister. He didn't trust God. He didn't have faith that God would would surely one day bring nations, like use him to build a nation as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. He didn't have faith in that at that point, so he lied. Later, he did the same thing. I want to think, I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He did that with It might've been Abimelech. I read it not too long ago. I should have remembered that. He did the same thing, lied. His lying proved that he wasn't having faith in that moment, but yet he kept pressing on, kept pressing on. I tell guys all the time, it's not like being done with por- pornography is not perfection day one. It is progress. There's progress. So you follow the steps and there's progress, 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 progress. And you're going to meet difficulty and discouragement and one thing after another until one day you're going to wake up and realize I am 100% free. A test will come that you will pass. An obstacle will come that you will pass. Abraham failed. He kept going. Failed. He kept going. Failed, he kept going until one day God said, "You know the son I've given you? Yeah, I God, I know Isaac, your one and only son. Yep, know him. Offer him on the altar. Go take, take him to a mountain that I'm going to tell you about, and then sacrifice him there. God, I'll do it. I'll do it. His difficulties were preparing him. His Smaller steps of faith were preparing him for a massive risk, a God glorifying risk that would point the world to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Then James goes on, and in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute? I mean, what is God doing using the sexually broken person to as an instrument to help his people? Amazing what he does, right? In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? She risked her life because she believed God. She believed God. Beautiful picture. So what about you? What does your life say that you believe in and trust in and have faith in? What does your life say about who you're seeking approval from? And guys, I get it. These are tough things to deal with because we don't like, we love to be right. We love to defend ourselves. And so we make up all kinds of excuses. I mean, I hear them every single time because, and I recognize them because I had the same ones. Well, I'm stressed out. You know, when I get stressed, that's when I, you know, give into porn. Why is that? start asking questions. Why? Why, why, why? Well, we want to avoid negative feelings. So we say, what's the shortest path, the quickest path, the path that we've, path that we've used so many times before, what is that path to a good feeling? Well, it's pornography. You know, what's a more difficult path, but a better path and an everlasting path and one that has great reward? That is a path of communion with God, of fellowship with God. That path, that path is good and leads to eternal life. Ask for it, study it, and obey it. Just take simple steps of obedience. Maybe the first step you need to take of obedience is to tell another brother, about it. One person who you can trust. And you can say, hey, brother, listen, I've got this problem. <laughs> I've got an issue. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that's, I'm, I'm, you know, listen, this has taken a ton of courage. It's very vulnerable. I'm trusting you. But I want to talk to you about this. I want to tell you about it. I want you to hold me accountable. I, I need you to hold me accountable. Will you do that as a friend? Here's my issue. I was talking with a friend the other night. We were on a call and um, he was saying that he struggles with confidence to talk about this type of thing. He's an introvert anyway, which there's a lot of introverts. There's extroverts and introverts, right? This is the way God made us. This is our natural wiring. And man, I, I, I have to sympathize with his brother because i'm an extra more of an extrovert although i do love my uh quiet time and alone time but i'm more of an extrovert and i still struggle with talking about this but you know what the more you talk about it the easier it becomes the more freeing it becomes and sharing becomes a shame killer and you never know like what these conversations do they open up conversations with other people i've got a good buddy And we talk about this very openly because he trusts me and I trust him. And like, he's on his own journey. He's not, he's not a believer yet. He knows that he's like, doesn't have faith in Christ. We talk about the gospel. We talk about pornography. We talk about these important things in life. Yeah. We still talk about football and basketball and our kids, which is awesome. Our wives, which is awesome, and we should this is just doing life together but i'll I'll not neglect the important things, and neither will he, which is great so brothers, if there's anything that I can do to help you, if there's any way that I can help you, you reach out to me, email me Spencer at naturalpornkiller dot com I've got obviously this podcast, there is a Facebook group you can join if you want to you can join us. It's called The Exodus. So if you search for it, you'll find it. It is a private group. You can't see who's in there. You can't see anything that's said. You have to answer a couple of questions and then uh, you'll get approved to join the group. Man, those are two ways that you, this podcast, that group is two ways you can be encouraged to walk in faith. Like I'm going to do my best as imperfect as I am. I'm going to do my best to point you to Christ because that's my only hope. I'm going to point you to Christ. I'm going to point you to the gospel. I'm going to share practical strategies and tips for being done with porn forever because those are important as well, but not at the expense of the gospel. Because of faith, we will do these things. Because of faith, we'll take great risks and raise our hands and say, I need help. So if, you, if that's you and you need help, reach out to me. Guys, if you would, like I'm going to ask this again. I'll probably ask it every episode. I would love for you to leave a review. So I've gotten a few people that have left reviews on the podcast. Um, I don't know who they are, which is, which is great. I love it. Like, I don't know these people, and it's awesome. Um, leave a review if you found anything helpful. Leave a review on Apple iTunes specifically. That's where most people get this podcast. Of course, people listen to it on Spotify and on Google and a lot on Apple iTunes. But um yeah, I would just encourage you leave a review. Give me a five-star if you thought it was worthy. If not, then don't. But uh would love to hear from you and would love to hear from you regardless. All right, brothers. Y'all have a great week. I will be back with another episode next week of porn and the gospel.